Today's Skim from the Couch is presented by AC Hotels by Marriott, a modern hotel experience with a focus on purposeful design. Just because you only do one thing well doesn't mean you can't do something else. When you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. And I hope that anyone out there realizes that there are are other options if you're not happy with what you're doing. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Today's guest is makeup mogul Bobby Brown. While working as a makeup artist in the 80s, Bobby Brown made her mark on the fashion and beauty industry by bucking the overly bright and excessive trends that we've all tried and regretted, uh, yet were popular at the time, and cultivating a makeup style that was authentic, simple, and natural. Not only is she a beauty industry titan and world-renowned makeup artist, she's also a best-selling author, speaker, educator, and a serial entrepreneur. Uh, Bobby, we are so excited to have you here. We grew up reading the books, trying the makeup. Um, You really were an inspiration to us and have stayed an inspiration and continuing to do what you've done and create over time. So welcome to the couch. We're so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I have lived my life skimming it. So I'm I'm obsessed with your brand and you guys have done such a great job. That is such a weird thing to hear you say. (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to get into it. What is not on your LinkedIn profile? What is not? Yeah, I don't you... know that I danced on stage with Flo Rida. You did? Wait, I where? Did. Tell Wait, us what do you story. mean? I was invited to a small concert, like 100, 150 people for one of his new songs. I brought my then high school sophomore, I think Duke was, and his friend. Um, I did have a martini at dinner before <laughs> we got there, and I love Flo Rida. <laughs> I got backstage to meet him, and then uh, the concert started, and I heard him from stage saying, where's my gal Bobby Brown? Stop it. And I have impeccable hearing. Like, it gets <laughs> the older I get, the better it gets. I dropped my bag. Stop it. I jumped on stage, no. and all I remember is my son standing there with his mouth aghast. Oh, my God. And I danced. Is there a video? Yes, there is. It's on YouTube. And if, have you oh ever God. seen, like, bar mitzvah videos? Yeah. Yes. you've seen Jewish women dance? Yes. Is yeah. that you? Oh yeah, that's me. I yeah, yes. Do you, I had his in, gold chain on. Oh, was my your son embarrassed? To, no, to, he, he was like embarrassed amazed? and thought it was cool. Yes. And it was um I literally called my older kids. I have three sons. The second I got out and that all of a sudden all thing. the cousins were like, yeah. So, that is that is a great thing yeah. not on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. <laughs> um so I want you to kind of just skim your resume from okay. us. Like just give us the journey okay. of how you became Bobby Brown. Okay. I am uh I'm Bobby Brown from Wilmette, Illinois. Went Yay, to Chicago. went to New Trier, graduated high school early. Followed a boyfriend. I'm to, sorry, you graduated high school early. I did because, because you're like super no, smart. No, I'm not that smart. That? No, I'm not that smart. I just get things done right away, and I got done a semester early because my boyfriend went to college and I missed him. So I went to Oshkosh for a semester. I transferred to Arizona because that's where all the you know the kids that weren't that smart got into. Spent a year there. Came home and told my mom I wanted to drop out. I was bored. I didn't want to go to school. And she said, 
tough. You have to go to school. I said, but mom, I don't know what I want to do. She said, forget what you want to do. If today was your birthday, you could do anything you wanted to do in the entire world, what would it be? And I, you know, some kids could have said, go and shopping, go to Paris. I said, I want to go to the makeup counter at Marshall Fields and play with makeup. She said, why don't you be a makeup artist? Like, I don't want to go to beauty school. She said, I'm sure there's a college somewhere. A friend of my dad's told me about Emerson College. I flew up. I saw an outdoor cafe, and I signed up. And I started Emerson. I graduated with a degree in theatrical makeup. Yeah. And then what? And then then I waitressed for a year because I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. Then I moved to New York, and I didn't know a soul. I shared an apartment with my boyfriend um, in like the basement in Greenwich Village, opened up the Yellow Pages, looked up models, modeling agencies, photographers, started making phone calls, put a book together, pounded on doors, tried to get a waitressing job, couldn't get it, went out one day, couldn't get that. And it took me about, I would say, three to six months, and I got my first magazine job at Glamour Magazine to shoot a dancer, in an exercise story. And that was the beginning of my career. I knew I wanted to do makeup in in the magazines. What was it about makeup that appealed to you? Well, growing up, I was the shortest, you know, with a group of the popular girls. And I always felt that they were prettier than I was and that they were taller, they were smarter, they were better athletes, that whatever. I now look back in pictures and I was actually really cute. <laughs> All that time and energy I wasted. I really enjoy you already. Yeah. yeah. And I always wanted to be prettier. I always wanted to look better. And I used to take my mom's makeup and put it on and I didn't want anyone to know I was wearing it. And so that's kind what of how I my style started. really interesting about that is what you're talking about is you always wanted to look better. But when I think about the Bobby Brown aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's very natural. Yeah. I feel if someone said, why do you like that makeup? I would say I look like myself just a little right. bit better. So how did that how did that drive turn into what the aesthetic you're known for? Well, as I started to get hired in New York in the fashion industry and I, you know, was never afraid. I knocked on doors. I called people up. My job was my notebook, which I still have, that I have all the people I went to see on the quote unquote go see. I'd show them my work. So I started getting hired. But at the time in the 80s, the makeup was really artificial, really garish. I remember doing a cover of uh, British Cosmopolitan with Jerry Hall, which was like a huge opportunity. I sucked at it. I mean, she was so nice. I finished her makeup. I, you know, I was trying to do the contour that everyone else was doing. I handed her the mirror. She said, thank you very much. It's beautiful. And she said, can I borrow it? And she took the makeup and redid her face. But instead of me feeling bad, I sat there and I watched her and I learned from it. And so I was always handing models the mirrors and watching top models fix their makeup. So I, I was a sponge. And as I started to get hired, I realized I didn't like that kind of makeup. And I started making people look healthy. A cover of a magazine came out and the girl looked bronzed and tan. I thought it was the most beautiful thing. And a top makeup artist said, you know, you're never going to work. No one wants to look like that. You've got to do this, this, and this. And I just organically kept doing my thing, which is making people look pretty. Talk to us about the lipsticks early on. Even though I liked doing the natural makeup, there wasn't any makeup on the market that you could just put on your face. It just, you had to fix everything. I had a, 
I had a special lipstick that I would make for myself with a taupe pencil, a little pinky, rosy blush, and a lip balm. And I was always fixing it. You could not get good makeup. And one day I was at a job and I met a chemist. I told him my idea to make a lipstick that looked like lips. He said, oh, I can make it for you. I said, really? So I told him about it. We kept sending it back and forth. Finally, it's exactly the way I wanted. I said, oh my God, I bet people would buy this. And he said, okay, I'll make it for you. We'll charge $15, you get $7.50, I get $7.50. I was like, OMG, <laughs> you know, I that's great. And I had just gotten married and I was living in the suburbs, you know, which was unheard of at the time. I think I was pregnant with my first baby, which was also no one had babies back then. I was 31. I wasn't even that young. And I thought I could just, this is, we didn't have the word side hustle. I'm like, okay, this could be one of the things I get a little extra spending money. And then I realized not everyone wants that natural lip color. Some people want red or pink or orange. So I thought about the 10 colors. I ideated these things. I had the chemist make them, started selling the lipsticks out of my house, had lunch one day with a friend, uh, Leslie Seymour from Glamour Magazine. She was the beauty editor. You know, we started talking. She goes, what are you doing? And I told her, she goes, can I write about it? Why would you want to write about this? <laughs> and um, she wrote about it with, I believe, my home phone number. Started oh, getting my calls. And we had this mini business. I was commuting to the city doing catalogs or whatever to, you know, help pay the rent. And, um, or the mortgage, we had bought a house. And one day I was at a party in New York and I asked the lady whose house it was what she did. And she told me she was a cosmetics buyer at Bergdorf Goodman. I said, wow, I have these lipsticks. And the rest is history. So talk to us um, about how you got that first big order placed. The Bergdorf Goodman yeah. one? Yeah. So that was an interesting time because Bergdorf said they'll take also, it. Also, what year are we in? We're in 91, I believe. Yeah, 91. The company had been about a year already, mail order from my house. I used to take the lipsticks, put it in a manila envelope. I was green and didn't know it. And, you know, we had no boxes. And then when we got into Bergdorf, my husband and I had to find an actual company that does this. And I met someone in an elevator. I said, what do you do? She said, I work at Mana Cosmetics. And I said, can I have your card? And Mana, they're still making the lipsticks. <laughs> so true story. And then we got business partners that we thought knew more than we did, which they did at the time. And we just kept growing the business while we all had other jobs. And after four years, we sold it to Estee Lauder. From Bergdorf's, it got into Neiman's. and. It was, there was nothing else like it. Right now there's, you know, every day there's a new launch. There was nothing back then. Okay, I have so many questions. So first, did you have any hesitation calling it Bobby Brown? Did you have other names to call the line? No, it just became what, what it was called. And it was called Bobby Brown Essentials. What I'm struck by in listening to you retell it is that you asked very key questions to the right people, whether by luck or by hustle, and that opened doors to you. It's very hard to have the confidence to ask the right questions and to feel comfortable making those connections with people you don't know. Where did you find that confidence or that courage? It's not confidence. 
it could be courage, but I have this bizarre skill that I wish I could teach people. It's called naivete. I am so friggin' naive that I just don't think something's not gonna work out. And I'm also someone that likes to figure out how to fix things if it doesn't work out. That's just always been my nature. You know, if there's a problem, I will figure out a solution. It wasn't confidence, it was just being comfortable and you know, being from Chicago, watching my grandfather. Danielle's nodding. She's like, yes. That's, yeah. Why, yeah. that's why I'm successful uh-huh. too. That <laughs> is but, true. But we have good Midwestern values. We do. And also See? watching our grandparents and, you know, our parents, yeah, the work ethic, like that's how I learned. I didn't learn mm-hmm. things in school. I mean, I don't know how to type. And I've written nine books. Like, like it's all this stuff is just figuring things out. You just said that this is something that you can't teach someone and you yeah. tried. How do you hire people? What do you look for when you create your team? I honestly, you? the first thing I look for is someone I like. I like to be around people with good energy. I like to be around people that are truthful, that are comfortable enough in their skin to be honest about everything. Like, I don't care if my assistant calls me up and says, my bad, I should have done that, instead of pretending that it was done when it really wasn't. Like, I like authenticity and Realness, I want the conversation to be easy and flow. Let's take a quick break. Something we talk about a lot on the show is balance. And we put it in quotes on our papers that we're reading off of um, because we talk a lot about work-life balance and it's not a thing. I don't think you can be completely in balance at the same time. I think if you strive for that, like you're setting yourself up for failure. It's not going to be 50-50 all the time. But we definitely try to weave in personal time. You have to take a step back in order to be creative. And one thing that really helps us with that is traveling, literally physically getting outside of your every single day. Yeah. So when we travel, we look for hotels that can make sure that we actually have me time and sort of feel like you are um, in your own home. And that's why we love AC hotels. They are beautifully designed. Um, Every hotel is designed to be super functional and also feel timeless. Uh, I personally love the European-inspired breakfast at the AC kitchen. I personally enjoy their custom cocktails in the AC lounge and bar. And as you know, we love books, and they have a library with a curated book selection. They also have over 45 locations across the country and cultural hubs um, with plans to double that soon uh, and also international expansion on the horizon. So they are taken over. Visit AC Hotels at achotels.marriott.com to learn more. When you started this, you've talked about how different it was Mm -hmm. than it is today. There weren't that many things launching. It was really the first line to talk about um, being pretty in a natural sense. Were you afraid it was going to fail? I was never afraid. I never thought about it. I never thought about failing. And I also never thought about it being big in a brand. And if someone would have said, by the time you leave your company, you're going to be 60 years old, it's going to be a billion dollars, and you're going to be world known, I would have said, I'm not doing it. I would have said, I'd much rather stay home. But that's, it all kind of happened together. But I still managed to be a stay-at-home mom all those years. I worked from home two days a week. Wow. When you talk about the naivete, we actually talk about that a lot because this is our first company. Um, 
there, if we knew how hard it was, uh-huh. would we still have done it? Right. If we knew all the things we were going to go up against, mm-hmm. would we have done things differently? Right. And we always sort of question that. And that's how you learn, by the way. That's how you learn is doing things wrong. On that note, I'm curious, you know, as the company scaled, as more partners mm-hmm. came in, as you had Estee Lauder right. come in, how did you preserve your naivete, which really kept the authenticity right. of the brand for so long? Mm-hmm. How did you preserve that as you had more cooks in the kitchen and right. more expertise and you failed and learned more? Right. So by the fourth year being in business, I had two kids. I was still living in New York and... Um, I was still a working makeup artist and had this company with a few employees. We sold the company after four years, which is bizarro, okay, to Estee Lauder. I had never been inside a corporate office. I knew nothing about it. And honestly, the reason it worked so well is I never thought I didn't own it until the last couple years when the corporation made it really clear that it's not my company. Like I used to go to work as this is my company. This is what I would do. And I'm... You know, I am someone that there was never large budgets to do things, but I just did things anyways. I figured out how to do things. And I had the support of a team. I had great people that worked for me. And I also, you know, was always frustrated that things weren't as good as I wanted them to be. But that's also being an entrepreneur. So I want to talk about management. What was it like to launch product with you? What were you like as a manager in that big corporation? Well, it's really funny. I'm sure you will get very different stories from different people. So I used to get in trouble early on because I would say, you either get it or you don't. And there's people that would say, what is this it? Clearly, we they weren't. They the think, okay, yeah. you either get it. So my, you know, we didn't have the word posse back then, but my posse, my product development girl, my PR girl, my little team, we would sit around and you know ideate all these amazing things. But then we'd have to figure out how to get them done. So there was different presidents at the time. There then you know more marketing people came in. Then it became a global brand. And as it got bigger, it was more difficult. But I was a pusher. You know, I wanted what I wanted, and you know, the bigger it got, the harder it was. But I stayed as a founder for 22 years. I can't find another one that did that. You talked about being a stay-at-home mom, working from home twice a week. How did you know it was the right thing to do to sell the company and to a company like Estee, um, where it seemed like that ability was really important to you? Well, at the time that um, SD came knocking, and it was literally uh, Frederick Fakai, the hairdresser, called me and said, Leonard Lauder wants to meet you. You're beating them at Neiman Marcus. We became the number one line at Neiman Marcus after four years. We didn't even have foundations. We didn't have like a full online. So Leonard you know, wanted to meet us. And they had already had bought half of Mac. We weren't for sale at the time, but I fell in love with Leonard. And when he said to me, you remind me of my mother, and I know we can help you grow, and you could do what's important to you, which is to be a wife, a mother, and and a makeup artist, and a creator, and we will take all the headaches. And at the time, we had business partners, and it was really contentious. It was tough. We we have rekindled friendships with them, but it, we were it was a really tough time. And so the thought of someone else coming in and managing all the problems was amazing. And when you meet Leonard Lauder, you fall in love with him. And when he says, I promise you total autonomy, 
I didn't even know what autonomy was. It just means that you could do what you want and I'll back you up. And that was true for, I would say, about 18 of the 22 years. When you talk about driving what you want, what were you most stubborn about? Everything. Everything. I mean, I cared about everything from how the packaging looked to the how the lipstick smelled to the colors to the names to how we taught to how my artists would walk into a room and see the food laid out all the things that I really believed in and I had so many more ideas that there was just no way to get it done so i'm curious cuz you know we are very similar yeah. in that like you have a brand vision you know you have a strong brand and it's your baby and mm-hmm. you you want to be surrounded by people that get it right. this this weird ambiguous it early on we would get advice from people saying you don't want to be difficult you don't want to be difficult to work with, to work for. Um, you've got to relent. And so I'm curious. That's terrible advice. Well, I'm curious because I think part of me like took that to heart and right. was like, you don't, don't want to be right. difficult to work Because we're nice people. With. But it's not about being difficult. It's about being clear and firm in what you want. And yes, women are called difficult. Men are called brilliant. Okay. That's the, there's no question. You know, I wasn't any more difficult than any corporate guy up there who insisted on things. Did you get called difficult? Oh, of course. Of course. Did it bother me? Yes. yes. Then did it stop bothering me? Yes. How did it stop bothering you? I got more and more confident. I had more and more friends that were successful business people. And by the way, they weren't women. They were mostly men. My friend Mickey Drexler, who was running J. Crew, he thought I was brilliant. He thought I was tough. He thought I was direct. He thought I was insightful. Um, HR might have thought I was difficult. So I realized, <laughs> okay, let HR think I'm difficult. You know, let some of the people, you know, that complained about me as being tough. And I was tough because guess what? I didn't like their ideas. Well, I had an embarrassing thing that now all of you get to know about, which is that I worked out this morning, brought a change of clothes with me, and realized I forgot a very key part of what my outfits should include today, which is a bra. I really do wish that I had had my third love with me today because I really do love them. Uh, I'm wearing mine. Congratulations. What's great about them is that they have amazing fit stylists that help you get the right fit. You can talk to their stylist through text, chat, phone, whatever you prefer. And hands down, it is the most comfortable bra you'll own. And best part, when we say comfortable, no tags, tagless labels, no itching. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash skim, S-K-I-M-M, now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. In case you forgot it already, that's thirdlove.com slash skim for 15% off today. I want to talk about um, switch gears and talk about innovation and mm-hmm. being a trailblazer. We've talked about how you were a trailblazer at the time. The makeup industry was so different, and, and the, the idea of a natural look just was not mm-hmm. something that was the norm at the time. When I think about the last 25 years, there's been so much innovation in the makeup industry. And what I'm struck by is that you've managed to stay current while staying true to an aesthetic that you created a long time ago. How did you balance innovation and evolving a brand while in many ways not changing so much? My role model was always Ralph Lauren. You know, you walk into a Ralph Lauren store 
in Japan or Germany and you're going to feel Ralph Lauren. But that was always like my vision. You know, I'm someone who I'm just really visual and I'm just really kind of set in my ways, but I'm also open to what's new and what's happening. And that was probably the hardest thing for me being in the corporate world is I could be open to change, but not a lot of people were open to change. There was one way that it was done and you do it this way, which is why I'm not there anymore. So, you know, I've been I've been gone. October will be three years. I want to talk about um, inclusivity mm-hmm. in the fashion and beauty space, right. um, which I think a lot of people would say it's it's getting better over time. Um, but in doing research for this, what stood out was Bobby Brown Cosmetics was one of the first brands to show African-American brides in your ads. Yeah. Seems well, obvious, it's, but it's, can you talk well, you about know, that? I am someone that doesn't necessarily find Barbie doll is the only beauty. And I don't even find them as beautiful as women who are mixed races. I find mixed races incredibly beautiful. And I think that's, you know, the way of the world. So I would always hire models that I wanted to do makeup on because I did all the ads. And I always- You did all the ads? I did all the ads. I hired all the- Until you left? Until I left. I did all the photographers. Oh my gosh. I was not going to let someone else do makeup. There's no way. I had a vision. I had a, a the way I saw skin, the way I saw color. And I look back in a lot of the ads. I opened um, an Instagram called BB Portfolio, which has most a combination of a lot of my old things, moments, and some of the new things. And I just love when I go back and I find these old ads that we did. And I'm like, OMG, first of all, they're so over-retouched. And I'm so not into retouching anymore. But, um, you know, it's interesting to see where you've been so you know where you're going. So that's the other thing I was going to ask you about retouching and the evolution of social media. When you started the brand, you know, there was no Instagram. There was no social. You'd said that people were calling you to place orders. Mm -hmm. What do you think the benefit of that was? Do you think you would be able to launch a brand, a makeup brand all about natural beauty in today's Instagram focus world? I 100% think that I would know exactly what to do to go against what everyone else is doing. So yes, I think it's possible, but I'm someone that thinks anything is possible. But yes, I think it's possible. Understand that the way I grew my brand back then was uh, early Instagram, meaning I was a regular on the Today Show for 14 years. So I would go on once a month as their beauty editor, and I would teach women how to put makeup on. And I never talked about my brand. I never tried to sell things. I would just teach. And I became the beauty editor because I met the executive producer's grandmother at a book (laughs) signing. And that is a true story. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so that was pre-Instagram. So now I do think that there is a very crowded, over-made-up, you know, space out there. And I think there is an opportunity for someone to do a new brand in a new way on social media. The first book... Um, that you came out with, and Carly and I remember getting this as mm-hmm. gifts um, when we were just learning how to put on makeup about teenage beauty. And I remember that book so well. What are your thoughts about the era of retouching? Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, when I look on, I'm seeing people that look so perfect, and I'm like, how do you, how do you even begin to look like that every single day? You know, I think as women in general, it's so easy to feel not good about yourself when you look at people that you think look better in person. 
I realized early on that I can't compare myself to women that don't look anything like me. You know, the supermodel thing. I, I was once at a fashion show and I looked up, I was pregnant, and Cindy and Christy and Naomi and only girls with one names were standing there in <laughs> bikinis. I was eight months pregnant and I looked up and I was like, oh my God, I felt awful about myself. And I just said, dude, stop it. Can't compare yourself to that because you're going to lose. So you have to like change your mindset. And I think with social media, it's harder. But come on, everybody knows things are retouched out there. And if they're not retouched, I don't put bad pictures of myself up. I only put good pictures of myself up. I guess you up. haven't seen our Instagram. Well, it's funny because I walked in here. I said, those girls are always perfectly put together. Oh my <laughs> and, and she said, oh, wait till you tell them that. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you insecure about? My height. I wish I was taller than 5'2". And for me, it's all about my stomach. So when I just, I'm always like trying to get a smaller stomach. And I'm trying really hard, by the way, to realize that this stomach grew three gorgeous boys. But it's it, always been my thing ever since I was 16. When you think about business and whatever your next chapter looks like, which I want to hear, mm -hmm. is do you have any insecurities around that? No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so optimistic and I'm really fearless because... You know, I really don't have anything to lose. My reputation, but... Well, so that's actually was my next question, which is you could afford, I assume, to not work. You could, like, I, I could. think you could take a really nice trip and, and sit on a beach and have a nice cocktail. And I do take those trips and sit on a beach, but I have my Instagram and I have my phone <laughs> and I work and I do the things I well, do. Well, so what drives you? Why can't you... I love what I do. I am, like, so passionate about creating things. I'm passionate about you know, helping people. I'm passionate about learning. I'm, I'm really, mostly I'm just a student of life. I'm curious. I think it's so cool what's happening in media and retail. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm part of it again. Because, I know wellness is really important yeah. to you. When you think about your next chapter, how do you want to spend your time? But do you not know what I've been doing for three years? I do. I want you okay, to Okay, so, so I left the brand. <laughs> I'm trying to give okay, you the good. opportunity. <laughs> so I left the brand in October. I mean, really, it was a very, very, you know, quick decision. It wasn't a, it was a long decision, but a quick exit, you know. Um, so I had no idea what I was going to do. So the first thing I did was called Mickey Drexler. And the second thing I did is called my friend Richard Baker, who um, had all the Lord & Taylor stores. And he said, I want you to do these Just Bobby shops in Lord & Taylor. I said, okay, knew nothing, you know, did that. It was really fun. At the same time, I got to promote my ninth book, which was called Beauty from the Inside Out, which is primarily about what you put in your body. And then I went back to school and got my degree as a health coach. You know, really interesting. I've been fascinated with that kind of stuff for years. And it was all digital, so I really I just sat and you know looked at my iPad, which was perfect for me. And then I had this opportunity. I met, you know, the people from QVC called me and said, "Okay, what do you want to sell? We'll take anything. What do you want?" And then I met a guy who was a vitamin manufacturer and said, "Okay, what do you want to make?" And then I ideated a brand called Evolution 18. Um, it was launched at QVC and then direct to consumer. It's not on QVC anymore. And then Walmart called and said, okay, we'd love to do a, a more affordable. So we have two kind of different lines and we launched with Walmart um, a year ago and we're just about to open Kohl's. Is it weird 
to not have your name as the forefront of a new brand? No, I would never have my name as the forefront of another brand. I did that. I look back because I love the memories and I, I, you know, it's really fun for me. But I like going forward and doing things differently. I don't own my name. I'll never be able to use it. But, you know. Isn't that such a, I can't even imagine. Like It's, it's such, yeah. you know, like my friend Kate Spade had changed her name yeah. when she launched her new brand. You know, that's a whole nother story. But, you know, founders do leave brands and, you know, they do different things. When you talk about um, the reasons why you started Bobby Brown Essentials and thinking about what was missing in the beauty space, what did you feel was missing from the wellness space? Or what did you, I mean, aligned with the ninth book, you, right. you were clearly ideating yeah. around this right. sense of mm-hmm. how you feel coming from the inside right. out. What started that? All my years of being, um, you know, a woman, I've always had to figure out how to get myself together from, you know, being a suburban mom to hopping in the car to being on TV or being in front of the camera and doing all my things. You know, I'd been to the White House dozens of times. Like, I've just done all these really cool things. And I had to figure out, how do I get to school for the kids thing, get to New York for the meeting, hop a train, and go to the White House for the Hanukkah dinner? Like, I figured them out. You know what? I wore jeans at the end of my going to the White House. I used to wear dark jeans. Stop. Because no one would know. Right. Like, who's going to look at my jeans? Obama once did say to me, nice kicks. Okay, (laughs) because I was wearing sneakers. But, you know, I just, I'm someone that figures things out. And that's how I've that's how I ran my business. And that's why, like when we launched Foundation at Bobby, all the foundations had to match people's skin. And I always had colors for the darkest and the palest. And then we added more. And that was never we never got like accolades for it. It was just common sense. Of course you had colors for everyone's skin. What do you hope people take away from this next journey for you with Evolution 18 and what's to come? You know, I hope that people will understand um, in their own lives that it's it's about passion and it's about finding what makes you happy and it's about having fun and taking chances. You know, one of the other things I did was a hotel. So I have a hotel in Montclair called The George. And it's just, it's it's been interesting and fun. And just because you only do one thing well doesn't mean you can't do something else. When you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. And I hope that anyone out there realizes that there are are other options if you're not happy with what you're doing. And sometimes you have to stay in your unhappy job while you're figuring it out. And other times you leave your unhappy job and you get a new job. And not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur and have their own business, by the way. I want to move to our favorite and final round, the lightning round. So I think you know how this works. You have to answer as quickly as you can. Okay. First job. Selling shoes at Carson Perry Scott. Worst job. That's the only job I ever had besides Bobby Brown <laughs> Cosmetics. Okay, so we'll count that one. Um, first call when you get good news. Either my husband or my dad. What about when you get bad news? Um, my husband. Who's your mentor? My husband. <laughs> my husband, Mickey Drexler, and my Aunt Alice. When's the last time you negotiated for yourself? Hmm. Every day of my life, I, you know, every day of my life. Which one of us put concealer on better today? Oh, 
Thank you. Well, you don't look like you have any makeup that on. That was to Danielle. But, in a comp- but that's a compliment. Oh, this early this morning. But she put more on than you. I'm not saying it's better, but she put more on. Well, you did say it was better. No, she didn't <laughs> mean it. What was the question? <laughs> she didn't mean it. What is the top under eye makeup tip? Wear glasses. <laughs> oh. No, honestly, it's it's moisturizer. Make sure you find a really good eye cream. I use oil on my face. You use oil? I Wait, use what kind? Oil. I go to Whole Foods. I'm, I use, only use organic products yeah. as much as possible now um, for, I think it's probably $7, apricot kernel oil. Like I said to someone in my office yesterday, I said, what is on your legs? They're gorgeous. She goes, I'm wearing your apricot kernel wow. oil. It's For some reason, it's really good. Okay. Um, top wellness tip. Taking from Evolution 18, what's the the product to get? Well, do you, my tip is not about a product. My tip is about making your lifestyle habits healthier and not trying to jump on a, a keto or a paleo mm-hmm. or a train. Just make your lifestyle and do that with more water, more vegetables, getting rid of some of the bad stuff by crowding it out. Out of all of my products, probably my favorite product, the best-selling one is the beauty gummies, of course, (laughs) because people love gummies. But my favorite product is um, either the afternoon chocolate or overnight vanilla. The vanilla is collagen, and vanilla and magnesium helps you relax. For me, it turns off a sweet tooth. The afternoon chocolate, which I have in the morning too, I make a hot cocoa with. It fills me up in the afternoon so I can go to dinner, not have bread, and have a cocktail. What's your biggest vice? Um, vodka. I like that one. Okay, two two things. One, uh, what's contouring? Contouring and- is trying to make something uh, recede. So you're literally okay. contouring by trying to paint in a cheekbone or paint your nose um, narrower or shorter. What's, it doesn't work. What's your biggest pinch me moment when you think about all the crazy experiences you Oh my you God, had? I could probably give you 10, whether it's having dinner at Mick Jagger's house Stop. with like 10 other people. Oh my gosh. Or whether it's um, having Bruce Weber do a film honoring me or whether it's being at uh, three different embassies for a party celebration. I've been an incredibly lucky. I was in the motorcade Ooh. during the uh, inauguration because I did Dr. Biden's makeup oh, twice. Wow. Where I turn in the car and some guy says, who are you? I said, oh, I'm Bobby Brown. I'm a makeup artist. And I said, I, you know, I did uh, Dr. Biden. And I said, who are you? He said, I'm uh, your secretary of defense, Leon Panetta. <laughs> Uh, I said, wow, we both have important jobs. Yeah. Oh, my god! <laughs> and I have a picture of it. I like, love I've, that. You know, I've got, I've snapped a bunch of pictures. Awesome. That's my advice to you guys. Snap. Not don't take mine today. I'll come back after I get a blowout. But take a lot of pictures. Bobby, thank you so much. Congratulations on everything. Uh, thank, thank you, guys. You. It was a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 